Hi, everyone. My name is Monsi. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and my pronouns are she, her. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, my name is Laura. My pronouns are she, they, and I'm from Arizona. Hi, I'm Natasha. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm from Arizona. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode two. I'm Sophia. I'm from Miami, Florida, and I use she, her pronouns as well. Today, we're going to be talking about performative activism, toxic activist culture, and cancel culture. Just to provide some context, the Wikipedia definition of performative activism is a pejorative term referring to activism done to increase one's social capital rather than because of one's devotion to a cause. It is often associated with surface-level activism, referred to as slacktivism. I kind of like that word, slacktivism. Um, So... Just to start the conversation, have any of you experienced performative activism or seen it anywhere within like your own community? What experiences have you had with it? Something I think that we've all seen, um, especially this past summer, is hashtag Blackout Tuesday and the correlating Black Square. Um, I know I saw that on like classmates posts and celebrities and basically everyone that I follow. And I just really interpreted that to be just like following the bandwagon, you know, mm-hmm. almost like a post of fear that you would be canceled if you didn't post it more on that later. But it just didn't seem sincere for a lot of people. I agree. I feel like a lot of people saw it as like an exit ticket being like, oh, this is my one like easy chance to just be like, I support it. But this is as far as I'm going to go in my support and not really like delving deeper into the societal and systemic issues that Black Lives Matter um, involves. And I don't know, I mean, just this this past few um, years um, with the environmental protests of 2019 and then the Black Lives Matter of 2020, I feel like we've seen that throughout activism. It's just like people choosing how far to delve into a, a societal problem and then not being willing to put more effort into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think like on a smaller scale, I've definitely experienced those people who are performative in the way that they just, they say things they really don't act on. Like I've known a lot of people who are like, oh my God, intersectional feminism, specifically like white cishet feminists who then will make negative comments about their black friend's hair or, you know, who don't actually respect queer people in the way that they act like they do. So I think like performative activism can be both like celebrities, it can be companies, and I think it can also happen on like a really individual level of people just not acting on what they say. I totally agree. And I've I've seen people honestly do other things like post something that aligns with the political beliefs they have just because like it, they're part of that group without really reading what it says or like if even if they don't personally agree with it just to like say that they agree with it because they're part of that group and I feel like I don't know it's just it's frustrating because either they're not acting on what they're posting or they're not they don't even truly believe in it themselves they're just going along with that like mentality of the group they're part of and posting just to be part of it I don't know it doesn't sit right with me Mm -hmm. just to go off of that your point Monsi and your point Natasha as well is just like even minorities themselves can be quite selective to the issues that they address and that they stand for 
as we mentioned before in like the intro um, episode and the pilot episode, I'm Latina. So I know the Latinx culture and I'm, I'm part of it as well. But with that also comes the insight as to how Latinx people are also known for being racist to um, African-Americans and the Afro-Latinx culture as well, just because of that established societal hierarchy that we're supposed to be living in right now, or not supposed to, but we do live in right now. So I feel like that's just a whole other aspect of performative activism that isn't called out as much as it should be. And I know that's something I've experienced as well within the Jewish community. I've seen a lot of my friends only post about issues pertaining to Israel or pertaining to anti-Semitism, which of course are very valid and real issues. But I think that when you only highlight those issues, it kind of comes off as, as selective, as you were saying, Laura. And and especially when you want, you know, the majority of the population, when you want others outside of your minority group to advocate for your issues, to hear you, then I think that you have to do the same in return. You have to hear the plights of other minority groups of, you know, th that's kind of the whole concept of intersectionality. We are stronger when, when we work together and when we advocate for each other. I agree. And it's also like, you don't really know if they're just posting about those things because it's something that they've experienced or it's a problem within their community. And they're like, oh, I feel closer connected to that. And that's why I'm going to share it because it's part of my culture and it affects me. But then you have to be able to speak up about other people's issues too. If you're paying attention to your own, like you have to consider all the issues present. I mean, no one's saying like you should go post about every single problem there is in the world because obviously you're never going to be able to cover all of that but you shouldn't just focus on issues that affect your group personally because like we said Sophia like if you want other people to speak up about your issues you have to speak up about theirs yeah I 100% agree I think like as a white queer person I see this with white queer people so much like there are so many people who just want to talk about queer issues that aren't minor, like need to be dealt with, but don't want to address them in an intersectional way and don't fully realize that like white privilege still affects the way you're discriminated against, even if you are discriminated against for other reasons. You know, like white is what people see first. Like if, if someone looks at me like, you know, the first thing they're going to see is my privilege. They're not going to know that I'm queer right off the bat, probably. And I think, like, white queer people really need to acknowledge that, like, you know, you can't just go around, like, only focusing on these issues from a white lens. Mm -hmm. um, and just to go off of that, like we mentioned before, there's this whole thing about authentic and performative activism and I feel like that just doesn't and it, it has become so normalized I feel like in our current society that most people just believe that by addressing just one issue or addressing the bigger larger more um, pronounced issues um, they're doing enough but there needs to be just a collective shift in how we address societal problems and we can't just put a band-aid over them anymore by um, like adding stuff to our stories or um, posting little black squares on Instagram. It's, um, it, I feel like along with activist culture, we have to highlight 
better, more systemic results, and not just results, but more like collective and permanent solutions to these problems. Okay, so just to jump on to the next point of conversation, how could we compare authentic to performative activism and why is performative activism so hurtful and unproductive? I mean, one could argue that um, performative or just any type of activism would be helpful just because it's bringing attention to an issue. And while that is true in the first few weeks of protesting or not, it becomes really hurtful really quick just because of the attention and how and which people are being uh, paid attention to and highlighted, I feel like. What do you guys think? I think one of the most harmful things about it is the fact that it's inevitably temporary or selective. Like, no one is ever consistently performative, really. Like, that's kind of hard to maintain. So I think a lot of the performative activism we see like for Black Lives Matter, for example, um, happened this summer and now those people don't even post about it, you know, or like it only happens for any kind of activism when someone dies. Like that shouldn't be, you know, the only time you speak out about an issue. So I think that's kind of one of the most harmful things about it, um, in my opinion, is just the fact that it's so selective and so temporary and kind of enforces this idea that like we only need to care about these broad systemic issues like once a year. No I totally agree like the biggest problem I think with performative activism is how short-lasting it is like with Black Lives Matter like we mentioned before that was something that totally blew up over the summer and everyone is like if you just log on to Instagram like every other story would be something about Black Lives Matter and it came to the point where people just wanted to hop on that bandwagon and look like they were doing something and like probably were scared to not say anything about it for fear of being called out and people saying that they didn't care about it at all but just because it was so big at that moment they would post about it and talk about it and then as soon as it died down like they totally stopped caring and it no longer was like became an issue to them and that's the biggest problem with performative activism like it just it never lasts like like you were saying, like it just goes from being a big thing one day to not existing the next. But it's also like there's a really hard line. Like it's hard to distinguish between authentic and performative activism because sometimes it's people who are learning and beginning to become activists and just seeing that there are these big issues and that's what they start sharing and that's what they start talking about because it's the most prominent issue at the time. But I think to get from being performative to being authentic is that willingness to grow and acknowledge other issues and keep talking about them even after like the attention has died down. I I see what you're saying, Monty, about how it's challenging to distinguish the difference between authentic and performative activism, but I think the biggest distinguishing factor is who is it for? Who, who are you posting for? Who, like, why are you spreading this information? Are you doing it for yourself? So, you know, you can feel the reward of feeling like a bigger person and feeling like you're doing something, however superficial, or are you doing it because you are passionate about an issue and you have spotted injustice and you want to help combat it? I think that sometimes that can be obvious, but it can also be not so obvious. Um, And I think that's where, like what you mean, Monsi, when you say that, you know, the line is sometimes a little blurry, but I think that the reason it's so harmful when people, you know, are 
you know, doing acts of performative activism and they are acting as activists for themselves is that it just makes the issue seem superficial itself. It just makes it seem like it's to make white people look good, make, you know, it just all comes back to like some form of white savior complex, which has persisted for decades, if not centuries. So I really think that's just the main, you know, the main distinguishing factor, but also one of the main reasons why it is so harmful. Mm -hmm. Like you just mentioned the fact is like the underlying motive and just like to for who it's for it's for that activism for who it benefits the most um and i feel like that could be clearly seen in just industries and companies and that brings in a question is industrial activism actually performative or is it just them beginning to become aware of that societal problem and trying to make up for their past ignorance on it whether that be on purpose or accidental you know, I think that it can go both ways. Like, I feel like when the Black Lives Matter movement took off and all these companies were issuing statements in support of the movement, it, to me, felt sincere. You know, I'm, I'm not Black. I, I don't want to speak on behalf of the movement whatsoever. But to me, it felt, I, I felt, you know, like they were trying to to make an effort to, you know, move in the right direction as a society by using their influence as a company. But I've also seen instances where it feels like companies are just trying to commercialize the issues faced by marginalized communities, you know, the like pride shirts and like pride themed clothing feels a little bit superficial, like now you're just trying to profit off of this movement, but I definitely think it can go both ways. I don't know, if, but what I think is like, even if the initial aim might be performative, like it still could be a step in the right direction. Like after the Black Lives Matter movement got like blew up completely, Netflix and Disney Plus and these other streaming services like made little collections on their sites um, highlighting like shows and movies created by black artists and like emphasizing that they were behind the movement to the public. And I feel like the initial motive may have been performative. Like they were scared to um, come off to their fan base and their supporters as though they weren't behind this movement and they felt like they had to go along with it and share something about it just because it was getting so much attention and they didn't want to seem like they were against that. But even though like the motive may be performative, like it's still creating a difference it's still a step in the right direction towards highlighting minorities and giving them a voice and it's not going to harm anyone if like that attention is being brought to those groups you know like it's still it's still bringing a benefit yeah I agree with that I think it can definitely have a positive effect I think really the issue comes when once again, like they aren't backing up what they're promoting, you know, like there are so many companies, especially with environmental activism, mm -hmm. that will act like they care and their actions say a completely different thing. You know, companies coming out and saying, you should donate to help the planet. And it's like, you're the one who damaged the planet in the first All place. All the oil companies, like, yep. those piss me off so much. I know. It's just, who do you think you are? <laughs> like, it's just, 
it's ridiculous how they don't know how people are going to see right through them or maybe just don't care. But yeah, I think in that kind of line of thought, I think companies are really a perfect example of performative activism because they're so greatly profiting on issues that they often don't care about, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of whether or not they're helping you know, the CEO probably does not care about Pride Month, probably right. does not care about the environment. And I think it's that perfect example that they are directly monetarily profiting off of activism. And I think, you know, it can have like a positive or negative effect, but I think it's the really good analogy to kind of describe how performative activism is used for personal benefit. And then, like, in particular, in the industry and um, just business standpoint, one might be like, oh, but how, how other, like, how else would they show their support? So, like, but the thing is, like, don't get me wrong, I love Pride shirts and Pride merch that comes out in June. It's, it's pretty great. And I'll probably always get something rainbow during June. And I really like sustainable products that companies have started putting out more. But how could we hold these companies accountable right I mean uh, we can't we live in a society and an economic structure where we can't really boycott just like one single person boycotting is not going to do much but the thing is we have to change that mentality on how we can force those companies and be more like they are selling us products um, based on these issues so why isn't that money going back into Um, the problem or why isn't that money going back into that same industry that there is that problem so it's like it shouldn't be us having to make up for the company's disregard and it shouldn't be us having to fix their problems and I feel like that just leads into more like guilt tripping and just like guilt-based activism I don't know yeah I mean I want to jump back to what Natasha was saying earlier about like how they're profiting off of their activism like I think we all know about the Instagram account change where I mean like not gonna lie I do get a pretty decent amount of information from them like they do have good sources and good like I mean, infographics but their shirts are pretty cool too their shirts are cool but they're still like they're selling stuff off of their activism and making a profit and like good for them like you're making money but that shouldn't be the primary aim of their activism like that and that is their goal unfortunately is to make a profit for the company and that's not what it should be about yeah I feel like they're a pretty good example um but also they'll um drop in links in their bios and whatnot and they'll also donate a bunch of their earnings back into organizations that just work with the people and and communities affected by those societal problems. So I feel like obviously there's going to be some judgment because every company is going to try to make a profit when, where they can just because they are a company and that's how they are structured. But out of all the companies out there, they're one of the best and obviously could be better, but they, they should be, they're the example of how most companies should be or like how the basic standard I am gonna mention though that I did read somewhere that change.org like you know how they ask you to donate at the end of a like after you sign a petition they actually don't put that money towards the cause like it goes towards them and I think also it's important to mention that change.org doesn't just support one side Um, They have a lot of petitions on there that are incredibly harmful and problematic. So I think they really 
profit off of both ends, you know? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. What change are we talking about? She's talking about the one that, like, has all the petition links, not the Instagram account. Okay. I They're two different two things. Them, right? We're talking about yeah. different things here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. The Instagram one is, like, the one that's, it's, like, spelled without the A. Oh, okay. Like, that change. Yeah. yeah. I've heard of that. I thought you were talking about a different thing, and I was like, how do you guys not think they're problematic? Um, no, no, no. That, <laughs> no, no, that, that one changed. That changed. That changed. Yeah. I, completely <laughs> I get completely overwhelmed when I go on there, and half the time I'm like, are half of these even real? Yeah. Like, I can't tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that kind of the issue of not being able to boycott companies really kind of brings up the issue of socioeconomic privilege and activism and this idea that you know you should always be boycotting everything that you can and you know you should but it really does get out of hand um as we know with veganism that's a very common example and even with things like trying to boycott amazon some things like that just aren't available to certain people yeah i don't know what examples do you guys have of you know people really shaming others for not being able to be 100% perfect with that. I've had friends like kind of make comments because I bought clothes from a company that is fast fashion and they're like oh you should buy from like these like sustainable companies but I'm like I really can't afford to shop at like a sustainable company like their shirts are like what like $50 for a t-shirt like it's not possible and I wish I didn't have to like buy clothes from a company that supports and uses fast fashion and like uses that kind of labor but that's not really available to me like I don't I can't afford that Mm -hmm. and it's just frustrating because you don't really know like it's not possible to boycott everything but then people expect you to yeah it's it's I don't know it's weird because how especially with the environmental um, movement is like how can we get everybody on board so that we actually make an impact and change but the thing is that people can only do so much as they can and that they have available to them we gotta remember that everybody's living different lives and they have different socioeconomic standings and different socioeconomic privileges we can't shame we can't lead activism by shaming people anymore, I feel like. And that's something that we've gotten better at over the days or like over the time, over time. But it's just that's something that's really wrong with the activist culture is just shaming other people into activism through shame and guilt. See, but like then we run into to kind of a conflict here because you just said I, I, I don't mean to be antagonizing here, but, you know, you were just talking about how guilt-based activism can be something that's productive mm-hmm. for companies, but why is it any different with, you know, maybe our friends or celebrities or influencers that we follow on Instagram? That's a, that's a good question. And I feel like the main difference there is just the amount of, um, information that companies have and an amount of people that they have to be able to look at these things. I mean, me as an individual, I'm barely on top of my schoolwork, I'm going to be honest. And that might just be the procrastinator in me, or that could be just because I'm, I'm just like one person. But I feel like companies, they have, um, they have, what, what are they called? Press teams, they have social media teams, they have all these kinds of people that work for them. And 
they're made up of many different people and many different communities. So I feel like those types of problems, companies would be able to pick up on much faster while us, especially as, as kids and individuals, it's going to be a lot harder to make sure that we include everybody in our just daily lives, you know? Yeah, I think also just the amount of resources and like, you don't know, you know, like you never know what someone is going through, but most of the time, you know what a corporation is going through, which is nothing. Um, <laughs> so I think when it comes to a person, you know, oh, sorry, my dog is making noise. Hey, Sue, can you please stop? Thank you. Okay. When it comes to a person, you never know why they did something. It could be, you know, miscommunication. If it's something about supporting a company, you don't know if they have the resource. Hey, Sue, calm down. You don't know why it's happening. Oh my god, Bizu. <laughs> oh my goodness. He's so <laughs> persistent. <laughs> What's wrong? Okay, okay. Take 15. <clears throat> so. I think because of class differences and all these different factors, you don't really know why a person did something and so I think automatically resorting to shaming them given the context isn't always the best option but with a corporation I think you have to keep in mind that their goal isn't to be activists that a person's goal is usually to be a good person people want to be good people most of the time and you know I think leading with shaming for someone who's actively trying isn't always effective but the reality is corporations can't be trying that hard when they make a massive mistake because they have people, you know, signing off on what goes on their Twitter. They have so much money that could go to really important issues. You know, the people running the company most likely are very educated and had all the time in the world to take a class on Black history or women's studies you know, like these are people who should understand the consequences of these things. And I think that it's more effective, you know, to resort to that because frankly, corporations don't care that much about being nice, honestly. Large corporations, like their aim is not to like provide the well-being of every movement around them and like help facilitate that their aim is of course like profit and how they're going to get there but like you're mentioning like you can't shame an individual into being active because first off like there's only so much one person can do like if you're going to shame them about every single movement that they don't speak up about they're going to go crazy like there's too many problems in this world for them to mention every single one and they have like you have to be content with them doing as much as they can and like we can bring that back to performative activism and be like I mean technically maybe they're doing as much as they can by just talking up about these larger issues but then again like give them room to try and give them room to grow and like try to find what things they're passionate about and what they want to speak up about and also keep in mind that like not everyone can support the same movement as you so shaming someone into supporting a movement or speaking up about it may not always work out and have a good effect on them either. Mm -hmm. And just to clarify to our listeners, um, we're talking, we're like when we talk about these corporations, we're talking about large, um, like big 
established corporations, um, not the not the one to two people companies that have just started or, um, you know, just like small businesses. Yeah. So not just not we're not focusing on on small businesses and including them into this big pile of corporations of like, oh, they should be focusing on everything as well. It's not like even us as a podcast. um, So far, we've just talked mainly about the black community. Right. And it's mainly because we are in Black History Month and those are the issues that are very prevalent today. And we want to be able to have a say in those conversations as well. But we we are trying to address and we will address, we have planned to address a bunch of different topics. And it's not just, and even if, even for those small businesses, um, they may have risen and they may represent a certain topic, but even them, usually even small businesses are pretty on top of the game. Like how we are highlighting other black businesses during this month on both our TikTok and Instagram, if you all want to go check those out. But it's like, Usually small businesses are on top of their game. It's the large corporations that are typically um, putting the resources that they do have into stuff that they could um, forego instead of supporting actual real world issues that affect communities.